when one steps back and considers it, the vanity of this life is so completely apparent. Yet while living this temporal life, the carnal mind finds it almost impossible to see. Man lives and works for 65 years preparing for a handful of years retirement, but won't spend 65 minutes preparing for eternity. As James 4.14 reads, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Worldly eyes are blinded by the vapor of this short life. As far as carnal man is concerned, the vanity, the vapor, is everything. But soon enough, carnal man is dead. And then what? In ancient Egypt, the scarab, a beetle commonly known as the dung beetle, was revered. This unusual beetle accumulates, for example, bull dung, rolling it into a ball that it rolls along all of its life. Some of these dung balls get as big as a baseball. The dung ball is a highly valued commodity in the dung beetle community, and pitched battles often break out when a rival beetle attempts to steal the dung of another beetle. The beetle drills holes in the ball of dung, and this is where she lays her eggs. Baby beetles are born in the dung ball and follow in the leadership of the parents. As far as these beetles are concerned, the dung ball is everything. The beetle and its bull dung is parallel to this carnal life. For man, the bull dung is his money. Men admire the one who has the most. All of his life is spent in the pursuit of money. Others attempt, legitimately or otherwise, to separate the money from his hoard. Soon the man is dead and leaves what's left of his dung ball, his money, and worldly possessions to his children. But now what? Unlike the dung beetle, man is promised an expected end. Those who grow the biggest ball of wealth while neglecting the cross of Christ and showing disdain for God's business, reconciling the lost sons of Adam unto himself, will find themselves in the lake of fire as their eternal reward. But the born-again, sons and daughters of God who have invested their time and money in his kingdom, will enter into eternal life in Christ Jesus. Most of those in hot pursuit of wealth never consider that once they die, that wealth is no longer theirs. Their house, their spouse, even their clothing is no longer theirs. Have you been born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Would you like to exchange your dung ball for glorious eternal life in Christ Jesus? Today all your sin and shame will be washed away, and today all of Satan's bondage is broken. Follow me in this simple prompting, and in just minutes, you will be born again. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Luke 22, verse 44, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. God said, Psalms 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. God said, Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Man said, He who dies with the most toys wins. That's true, ain't it? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 958. 
that will once again certify God's holy writ to be true and righteous altogether. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and is good news for the lost and dying. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. Grace, peace, and love be multiplied unto you. It's true. Every jot and every tittle. God's words found in his holy Bible are the inerrant truth. For over 6,000 years, Satan's champions have challenged, ridiculed, and maligned, but without success. Be of good cheer, children of God. They will not succeed tomorrow. This is feature 38 in the Jot and Tittle series, where in rapid fashion we supply one God-proof after another. Prepare for God-proofs 277 to 283. God-proof 277, Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The unschooled critics howl, exaggeration. However, this condition of sweating blood has a medical term. The following excerpts are from Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. As you would expect from someone with a medical degree, University of Miami, and a doctorate in engineering, University of Bristol in England, Alexander Metherell speaks with scientific precision. A former research scientist who has taught at the University of California, Metherell is editor of five scientific books and has written four publications ranging from aerospace medicine to Scientific American. His ingenious analysis of muscular contraction has been published in the Physiologist and Biophysics Journal. Strobel recounts the interview with Alexander Metherell describing the torture Jesus endured before his death. I raised my hand to stop him. Whoa, here's where skeptics have a field day, I told him. The Gospels tell us, the, uh, the Gospels tell us, excuse me, he began to sweat blood at this point in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, come on, isn't that just a product of some overly active imaginations? Doesn't that call into question the accuracy of the Gospel writers? Unfazed, Metherell shook his head. Not at all, he replied. This is a known medical condition called hematidrosis. It's not very common, but it is associated with a high degree of psychological stress. End of quote. God proof. Number 278, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God's word teaches an earth just over 6,000 years old, but the evolutionists contend ages in the billions. They use radiometric dating, a concept built on unbelief. One of evolution's foundation pins is the doctrine of uniformitarianism, which claims the present reveals the history of the past. Dr. Morris, in his book Many Infallible Proofs, defines evolutionary uniformitarianism as the concept that all things have developed into their present form by the same slow natural processes that function at present, acting over billions of years of time, end quote. However, they fail to account for two events in the Earth's history that would certainly not be classified as geologically uniform. The first is creation itself. 
Had you come upon Adam just 10 seconds after God created him, you would naturally assume history. But Adam was only 10 seconds old. If you had happened upon the earth 10 seconds after its creation, marveling at all its beauty, and if you had looked up to view the wonders of the heavens, you would naturally assume vast history. But these were all just six days or less of age. A second event that defies evolution's uniformitarianism was the devastating global flood in the days of Noah that destroyed everything on the earth that had the breath of life in its nostrils, with the exception of the inhabitants of the ark. Today, fish fossils are found on every mountain peak. Over 500 ancient, mostly non-biblical societal accounts shout flood. Nearly all fossils are a product of water action, and three-quarters of the earth is covered with sedimentary rock laid down by a flood. God's children approach life through faith, but this faith is not blind. The following paragraph discussing inconsistencies in various dating methods is from nuclear physicist Vernon Cup's book, Rethinking Radiometric Dating. Cup had this to say. So how do the actual data compare with the model results? First, the various isotope combinations used in the isochron method of dating are clearly discordant. They do not produce the same age for a given rock formation. Second, the isochron method gives erroneous ages for rock formations of known age, specifically rocks gathered from recently erupted Mount Navarhoi in New Zealand, gave a potassium-argon date of 270,000 to 3.5 million years, a rubidium-stronium date of over 133 million years, a samarum-neodymium date of nearly 200 million years, and a lead-lead dates of 3.9 billion years. All this from rocks known to be less than 60 years old, end of quote. Rocks from St. Helens Crater observed forming in 1986 dated 350,000 years old. God proof number 379, Matthew chapter 13, 39 and 40. The enemy that soweth them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. End of the world? Is this just an idea spouted by doomsday babblers? It's common knowledge among five-year-old Bible students that the heavens and the earth will come to an abrupt end. Scientists, as well as evolutionists, have come to the same conclusion. Some believe it will end in a fiery explosion, and then some believe all life will freeze to death. Of course, the scientists predicting the fiery explosion are correct. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The cover of the December 2004 issue of Discover Magazine reads, How do we survive the end of the universe? It outlines seven steps. Disregarded by the pseudo-wise is God's plan to escape the end of this universe, but even much better to actually attain eternal youth, eternal life in paradise. You will note that their efforts are to achieve escape of a dying universe and hopefully one day attain at least enormously long lives. It reminds me of the passage in 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
In the article, How to Survive the End of the Universe, the following excerpts are found. Their great challenge will be figuring out how to not be here when the universe dies, essentially finding a way to undertake the ultimate journey of fleeing this universe for another. Such a plan may sound absurd, but there is nothing in physics that forbids such a venture. Einstein's theory of general relativity allows for the existence of wormholes, sometimes called Einstein-Rosen bridges, that connect parallel universes. Among theoretical and experimental scientists, parallel universes are not science fiction. The notion of the universe, that our universe coexists with an infinite number of other universes, has gained ground among working scientists. The following insert box under the title Think Small reads, Stephen Hawking has suggested that it might be possible to travel through a wormhole to another universe or another time. This may allow an advanced civilization to evade the death of the universe. Even if the wormhole is subatomic, on the scale of particle collisions tucked in the CERN accelerator in Geneva, Switzerland, it might still be possible to inject enough information through the wormhole via nanotechnology to recreate the entire civilization on the other side. Yeah, fat chance. Another segment of the article says, Next, in order to escape from this universe into another one, we will need to find a suitable exit, some wormhole, dimensional gateway, or cosmic tunnel that connects here to there. Find this excerpt. It is possible that our universe and a neighboring one hover only a millimeter or less from each other, like two parallel sheets of paper. To bridge even this tiny distance, however, will need machinery of vast power. Science is looking for a way of escape, a portal to the other side, entrance into a new, living, invisible universe, some wormhole, dimensional gateway, or cosmic tunnel that connects here to there. The science writer speculates that the end of the universe is billions of years away. On the other hand, the Word of God says that time is short, and that the earth and the heavens will soon be destroyed. The Word of God will surely have the final accurate say in this matter. In actuality, our universe ends the day we die. That is a very short and uncertain time. We will pass through a portal to the other side. The way of escape has been created by the God of creation. The way of escape to the other side is a person, namely Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John fourteen sixteen, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way. The portal into the invisible is found in John chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. This is the portal. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Being born again happens when we disavow our Adamic root, repent of our sins, and surrender our lives to the Christ of glory. At this juncture, we enter into the new birth, literally and actually. This is when we become children of God. 
a new name, yours, is written down in glory. This is the portal to the other side, and there is no other way to get there. At this place of salvation, Satan's spell is broken, and captive souls are set free. This born-again experience is, in fact, the portal to the other side, the way of escape. It is real. It is the most exciting and important of all man's endeavors. If you have yet to give your life to God, click on the Further with Jesus on this website for immediate entry. This is the portal, the way to escape a dying world. God proof number 280, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have discovered that words, thoughts, literally, physically change the structure of the brain, a concept known in neuroscience as neuroplasticity. Science also now has a modicum of understanding of how words drive the placebo and nocebo effects. These both play a major role in physical and psychological health. But now watch how your faith and hope affect at a very measurable and molecular level. Keep in mind, everything is made of words, God's words. Consider Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a communication pathologist and audiologist who has worked in the area of cognitive neuroscience since 1985. Her pioneering work on neuroplasticity that changes in thinking actually change the brain and can affect behavioral change, paved the way for her current research on how scientific principles are supported by Scripture and vice versa. Excerpts from Dr. Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain, follow. Just a mind activity from your reading of the next few lines generates electromagnetic, electrochemical, and quantum action in your neurons it causes, magnetic fields that can be measured, electrical impulses that can be tracked, chemical effects that can be seen and measured, photons to be activated that can be captured on computer screens, energy activity that can be explained using quantum physics, and vibrations in the membranes of the neurons that can be picked up by instrumentation. This signal you have just created passes through the membrane of the cell travels to the cell's nucleus and enters the chromosome, activating a strand of DNA. The DNA is zipped up almost as tight as it is in a cocoon until activated or unzipped by the signal. When the DNA is zipped up, it is in a dormant or inert state. This cocoon also protects the DNA from the rest of the intracellular environment while in this inert state. So the zipped-up DNA has to be opened so that the appropriate genetic code needed to build the protein can be read. As it is opened and the code is read, RNA, a type of protein that almost acts like a photocopier, makes a photocopy of the code, which serves as a guide or architectural plan to build the proteins within the machinery inside the cell. This is called genetic expression. All these proteins you have caused to be built hold the information you have just read as a thought or a memory, you have created substance. Molecules are assembled into protein by the genetic instructions in our DNA. These instructions dictate the anatomy and physiology of our bodies 
and we control up to 90% of this process through our thinking. Let's take a, a closer look at these signals. One, the initiating signals that get the ball rolling come from outside the DNA and are therefore called epigenetic phenomena, which means signals that control the genes so they are epi or over and above the genes. Number two, when there is interference with this signal, for example, thinking a toxic thought or eating unhealthy food, genetic expression does not happen correctly, and then proteins do not form like they should. So on a very simplified level, if you have a toxic thought, the resulting proteins look different and act differently than if you had a healthy thought. Number three, these signals are electromagnetic and chemical because there is an electromagnetic and chemical component to every biological process. Number four, these signals can come from the environment inside the body, the emotional, biochemical, mental energy, and spiritual, including from the thought network inside your brain. Or they can come from the environment outside the body, the foods, toxins, social network, and um, nurturing you receive. Researchers estimate that about 90% of genes in the DNA are working with these signals from these outer and inner environments. Scientists are discovering precise pathways by which changes in human thinking operate as signals that activate genetic expression, which then produce changes in our brains and bodies. Our genetic makeup fluctuates by the, by the minute based on what we are thinking and choosing. Genes may create an environment within us uh, which a, uh, where, in which a problem may grow, uh, a predisposition, but they do not produce the problem. We produce it through our choices, end of quotes. The substance of things hoped for, words of faith and hope, have outer worldly power. God proof, number 281, Job chapter 41, and various verses follow. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with an hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put an hook into his nose, or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand before him? Who can discover the face of his garment? Or who can come to him with his double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are his pride. Shut up together is with a close seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindled coals and a flame goeth out of his mouth. The sword of him that layeth at him cannot hold, the spear, the dart, nor the harbingen. He esteemeth iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of a spear. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Sea monsters sound bizarre. Should God's word be taken literally? The following paragraphs are from Carl Whelan's book, Dragons of the Deep. A magnificent predator, Mosasaurus, 
was a sea-dwelling reptile that has been called the marine equivalent of Tyrannosaurus rex, only much bigger. Known today only from fossils, monosaurs, that is the name given to the whole group that includes monosaurus, came in a wide range of sizes. Some were truly huge. From their bones, it is estimated that some would have been up to 50 feet in length and more than four-story building on the side. If so, that would make such a creature the biggest predator, uh, carnivore, flesh-eater, the world has ever known. The bones of uh, Mosasaurus uh, have been found on every continent of the world, including Antarctica. They had long, snake-like bodies and would have used their long, sinewy tails to propel themselves uh, powerfully through the water with a side-to-side motion. These animals probably could not swim fast for very long distances, but would have been able to ambush their prey by surprising them and outswimming them in a burst over a short distance. Their broad paddle-like legs were primarily used for steering. They had a long, pointed head with powerful jaws containing many long, sharp teeth. Although some of the other sea dragons in this book come close to the biggest monosaurs in size, some would have been fiercer even possibly stronger, it seems that monosaurs so far have the size record for such marine hunters. Samples of fossilized skin have been found, showing that some uh, mosasaurs had large dermal plates called scutes covering their skin. It is not clear, though, whether these extended farther than the neck or throat. However, other mosasaur uh, specimens have revealed small scales similar to patterns of a rattlesnake covering the whole body. The name Mosasaur comes from the River Moss in Holland, where the first uh, fossil of this creature was found in the late 1700s. Another 70 years or so passed before scientists began to describe dinosaurs whose fossils had been reconstructed. As research papers and textbooks began to make knowledge of the dinosaurs' widespread marine reptiles like Mosasaurs were being discovered in increasing number, so they became associated in the public mind with the age of dinosaurs. The lower jaw of Mosasaurus was loosely hinged and movable on each side, just like some living snakes. These loose joints allowed it to swallow large prey. It is true that so far no one has found the fossil of a person together with the fossil of a Mosasaur. Does that mean Mosasaurs lived millions of years ago before there were people? Hardly. The fish called colacanths, are known from their fossils, which are found in the same layers as dinosaurs, mosasaurs, and other reptiles. No human or whale fossils have been found uh, in the same rocks together with colacanths. Yet colacanths definitely live with humans and whales. How do you know? Because several populations of colacanths have been found to be living today on the same earth as people, whales, and many other creatures that we never find with them in the fossil record. End of quotes. Leviathan, Isaiah 27, 1, In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan the piercing serpent, even Leviathan that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Fairy tales? I don't think so. God proof number 282, Psalms 139, 13 through 16. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well.
My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Science now knows this invisible beginning of life is DNA, and they call it the book of life. It surely begs credulity that all of creation is a product of a fortuitous explosion out of basically nothing, what academics call the Big Bang, out of which all life evolved from the same single-celled organism slithering out of a mysterious primordial soup, which has also come about by accident. Foolishness. Staggering miniaturization that the carnal mind could never conceive has been discovered in DNA. It is amazing, and believe me, that is an understatement of huge dimension. Dr. Grant Jeffrey made this point concerning DNA and miniaturization in his book, Creation. With today's population of approximately 6.3 billion, with one DNA molecule from each person, the genetic blueprint for every human on Earth could now fit into one aspirin tablet. Scientists are astonished to discover that the entire genetic information required to build a human body to repair it and to reproduce it is contained in a DNA molecule that weighs less than several billionths of an ounce. In fact, it has been calculated that all of the one billion DNA molecules necessary to form every one, every one of the approximately one billion separate aquatic, animal, and plant species that now exist or have ever existed on Earth could be compacted into an object the size of a single grain of salt. All of these marvels were just a product of fortuitous explosions out of nothing. Foolishness. Psalms 14.1 The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. God proof number 283, Revelation 12, 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Down through time. Estimates of those who had given their lives for the cross of Christ range into the millions. All of the apostles were martyred for Christ, with the exception of the apostle John, whom they tried to kill, but without success. John wrote the book of Revelation on the prison isle of Patmos. What kind of encounter? What kind of experience? What kind of promise? What kind of love would cause such allegiance and fidelity? The life-changing encounter and experience is called born again, and the love and promise is called Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. The following story of 40 martyrs is from McHenry's quips, quotes, and other notes. They are known as the 40 martyrs of Sebastian. In the famed 12th Legion of Rome's Imperial Army, there were 40 soldiers who professed their faith in Jesus Christ. One day their captain informed them that Emperor Licinius had sent out an edict commanding all soldiers to offer a sacrifice to pagan gods. These Christian warriors said, You can have our armor and even our bodies, 
but our heart's allegiance belongs to Jesus Christ. Because of their stance, they were marched out onto a frozen lake in the midwinter of A.D. 320 and stripped of their clothes. At any time, they could renounce Christ and be spared from death. Instead, they huddled close together and sang their song of victory, 40 Martyrs for Christ. That freezing night saw 39 men fall to their icy graves. When there was but one man left, he stumbled to the shore and renounced Christ. The officer in charge of guarding the men had secretly come to believe in Christ. He then replaced the man who had broken rank and walked out onto the ice. He threw off his clothes and confessed his faith in Christ. At sunrise, the Roman soldiers found 40 men who gave their all for the cause of Christ. End of quote. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is worth it all. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Psalms 139, verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God said, Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Man said, He who dies with the most toys wins. That's true, ain't it? Now you have the record.